este podcast contera spoilers por dem conta liguagen questionavel and may contain some questionable Portuguese. <coughs> Questionable. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's questionable or whether that was good. It sounded. Let's hope quite Google good. Translate is spot on, mate. <laughs> yeah. Could get in I've real trouble. That, though. I've oh, proper yeah. learned how the the phrasings. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've had the little lady oh, sort of speaking. Do to you me. want to just say it in English so that people actually know? Uh, well, this podcast may contain questionable language and will contain spoilers. There you go. Right. So, uh, welcome everybody to episode. Is it one thirty? Have I got it wrong? Or one thirty? I think it's it one thirty-one, isn't it? Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 131 of Movie Drone. I'm up and also down, Steve. I'm just somewhere in the middle, Mark. <laughs> um, I've started badly. Yeah. Your shit Portuguese and me not it even knowing the episode. No, was, was it not? on, mate. Was it? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And the reason is uh, Brazil. Yeah. Number four yeah. in the Apple charts for yeah. film reviews in Brazil. A amazing. Eh? I could just imagine us, uh, Lee's in the Brazilians, all sitting there, listening to us in English while they're all speaking Portuguese, going, what the fuck are these two on about? <laughs> Most of the people who listen to it in English go, what the fuck are these idiots oh, no. talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but mate. hello, Brazil. Yeah, hello, Brazil. If you're in Brazil, hello. Yeah. Hello. And how have you been, mate? I've been all right, mate. Right. Yeah, I, t- I told you about my cinema last week, didn't I? Homemade cinema. <laughs> I mean, so. Yeah, I still honestly think it's this wetty, shitty... Well, I don't know if you can see next sheet. to me through the cam. If you see all them little bags. Right. That's my flat pack cinema, mate. Oh, is it? Yeah. What, in that bag there? In them bags, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I had to take it down Sunday night. Is like, that not that? I'll take it that's not on like shelf three for if I get no, my... No, uh, you don't oh, get no. to win that okay. one. I thought, I sure, because it, it looks much. like it's on shelf three through, no. through here. No, no, no that's, that's okay. a top, top prize, that, mate. <laughs> is but, it? Yeah. <laughs> so I had cinema night Friday night um, and Saturday night and Sunday night. Jurassic Park? Three. They didn't want to watch Jurassic Park apparently they had seen it. They wanted to watch Jurassic Park 2. So I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I ain't got it. I ain't got it because it's shit. Uh, well, it's great for the first hour, but then it turned shit. So we got to number three. And then, yeah, um, we just left it up. And I just kept watching films on it. It was brilliant. It was amazing. And tomorrow's Friday. So as soon as the kids are dropped off, not a euphemism. setting it back up, mate. Right. All Is weekend they get fucking off. I've just been buying leads, 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 and bags, bags, bags. <laughs> been right. I need bags to put this in, bags to put that in, and I need a bag for my leads because I uh-huh. bought all new leads for it to make sure I can get it all set up. Lovely. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> right. Um, and with tomorrow being the first payday of the year, and it seems like forever. I've got some more leads in my wish list. <laughs> oh, yeah. so there we are. Yeah, I love a lead. Oh, Loving a lead, mate. Oh, I, do, I mean, you. Bought the wrong one though, didn't you? For headphones, yes, right. but that mm. just means I get to buy another lead. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you're just closer to the screen where you have to sit close, yeah, yeah. it's pretty much what it one. is. Yeah, it's a bit uh, horrible watching. Sorry, yeah. mate, that's all right. Sorry. Get a really long lead, yeah, and I sit in sit the house far, far away. <laughs> oh, oh, all right, how you been then, mate? Come on, let, let's hear the story of the records. No, I mean, uh, number listen. two <laughs> continued. 
We've had good feedback on the intro, so thank you very much, oh, Jamie, for that. Amazing. We did have some good yeah. feedback. It sounds good, doesn't it? It does, yeah. especially um, through the old lip bones. It does, yeah. So thank you very much for that, Jamie, again. Uh, I've had some ups and downs, mate. Oh. It's been a week of ups and downs. Well, let's quickly do the ups, because I'm no, interested I mean, they, they in go, the downs. No, I mean, they go sort of hand in hand. Oh, I mean, right. I bought some new trainers hey. with, with my money, yeah. but my knee's really hurting, so Bugger. I can't use it. There you go. There's one up and one yeah. down. Uh, I paid for my holiday. Yeah. Out of, out of the money for the yeah. rentals. Yeah, I can't go, can I, at the no. moment? No, no, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to. There's an up, there's a down, obviously. Yeah. Sold some records. I yeah. did sell some records. Yeah. Done quite well, obviously, last week, and then I was at work this week, and a few little complaints started rolling in. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, so uh, just uh, the odd one that was sort of catalogued wrong, which right. was which was quite uh, quite an easy thing to do. What do you mean you... catalogued wrong? Well, you have to get the little number. You, uh, do you know how difficult it is to read the numbers on the inside of a... No Oh, idea. it's really difficult. They're just like scratched in, aren't they? You know, like on the run no out. Idea. Oh, okay. So there's a catalogued number on the run out of oh. any record, oh. and you have to try and read it, and it's very difficult. And I miscatalogued one, oh. so I sent the wrong one out. And then one was in the wrong sleeve. I don't know how that happened. must have happened in the night when I was yeah. playing it and then some bloke was sort of didn't moaning. check that for you to sort them out no? it was difficult because the cover looks the same on the front but it's different okay. writing on the back right, so okay. it's very difficult to yeah. actually see mate yeah so, so I've had to issue a few refunds oh, no. this week yeah not too bad but there's been ups yeah. and there's been downs yeah. I had some nice toffees yeah. at the end of the week What's right, the nice <laughs> I have, yeah. No, brilliant. <laughs> so so I like, really enjoying my toffees. They were lovely, really enjoying yeah. them. And I'm just sort of walking back to, to the office from the car. And uh, yeah, a bit of my tooth. Hence your dentist oh, appointment tomorrow then. Dentist yeah. appointment tomorrow, yeah, nine o'clock. Because um, I haven't been for a while. I've got an appointment. There's yeah, an up there. Because well yeah. I haven't been for quite a few years. Yeah. Uh, well, not quite a few years, but over the two years yeah. that you're allowed. Got a new customer, in it? £168. Got to have x-rays and a consultation before. So there's an up yeah. with the toffees and there's a down. And then the best up yeah. in the world, bought a new Wi-Fi, mesh yeah. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right? Fucking amazing, mate. Yeah. Best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Turns out that Jill not being able to connect and my sky disconnecting and that was because of the router. Okay. It was like, yeah. who would have known? Don't tell Jill that for fuck's sake because yeah. I keep telling her it wasn't the route, all right? Yeah. So don't tell her that. Amazing up, yeah? Yeah. Happy as Larry. I, I, can't, all weekend, I don't know where this is going. Had it all weekend, happy as Larry. Yeah. Went to work, got a phone call from Jill. Wi Fi's gone off. And then she said, oh, hang on a sec. I think I know what it is. I'll phone you back. And I waited for the phone call. And I got the phone call. Yeah. Ralph chewed through the power cable. Oh, you're fucking joking. No. So that was fun. And then. Would you Adam and Eve it, yeah. right? They don't sell them separately in England. Hey. So, yeah, there's an up with yeah. the Wi-Fi, and then there's a down. So, uh, luckily enough, managed yeah. to uh, to get a something that worked. Um, okay. I managed to look on forums, but there was an up and there was a down. Oh. So, uh, yeah, very big one. So, that's basically my... That was a bad down. I've got to be honest. Oh. I was not happy. I, I stormed out of work. I was going to throttle Ralph. I could fix it for you if you want, mate. No, no, no. It's no. all right. I've seen your shoddy workmanship. Got myself a new soldering thing today, so... <laughs> yeah, as if I want you fucking soldering my, my new... Funny how when you want something, mate, I'm very handy, innit? I'm very handy. <laughs> Only when, when I can't be arsed with what it looks like, yeah. you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. I don't want to burn my house down, so... No, uh, I would have had that looking fine. lovely. Okay. But yeah, it's been a week of ups and downs. Oh, bugger. Yeah, just don't yeah. tell Jill about that, Ruger. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Not a word between right. us. Got any thanks this week, mate? I've got a thanks list, mate. Here we go. So we've got thanks to Mark Seeger, Bennett Filmbusters, a.k.a. Jeanette, WTM, Billy Dees, 
Podcast HQ, Tim, Mike, Mike and Oscar, Nurtrovert, Ian McIntyre, Forza Crowd, Ronnie Castle, The Movie Journey, Dyson's Effect, Right Stuff Reviews and Lee again. <laughs> he's back. He is back. I gave him one of my old extenders for uh, yeah. for his Wi-Fi, so maybe he's got a bit of Wi-Fi upstairs oh, now. So he's able to do it. There you go. Um, I've got special thanks this week for all the people who've gone an extra mile on Twitter and stuff. So I've got Jill, Cassie, VHS Strikes Back, lovely, lovely Miriam, Cinema Recall, Glyn, Jamie Russell, Sean Panda Nicholson, Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T, Jamie Irwin, Emma at the Movies, LJ Human, Film Busters, Mouse and Weens, Ryan, Miles. I don't know why I've put Elmo on there. So Elmo. I don't what know. Do I can't remember why I put him on there. I don't know why. Might take him off. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. All right. Thank you very Thank much, you everybody. All. We've got a promo. What's that promo? Hey there, I'm Eric. And I'm Brett, a.k.a. Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. We at WTM Watch This Movie talk about old movies, new movies, we do breakdowns, we do top five lists. We also rate movies that we've recently seen on our unique rating system. That's right. We're available on most podcast apps. You can check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com and you can check us out on Twitter at WatchThisMovie. We'll check you later. There we go. So that is a promo. Very good, mate. Very good yeah, off thanks. the cuff there. Well done. For WTM Watch This Movie, got a new episode out three days ago. It's called The Great Outdoors. Very ironic. Yes. Because we're all in lockdown and we do not get the chance to go out. Out? Out. <laughs> what? I've even forgotten what that is. <laughs> oh, it is ironic. Yeah. It is. But uh, yeah, I'm going to listen to that this weekend. Wheelie bingo's out more than I do, mate. <laughs> Worrying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I mean, it's probably for the best, mate. Not a lot of good happens when you go out, does it? No, no true story. Not at all. So, yeah, so uh, have a listen. W10, watch yeah. this movie. They are back. Right, okay. Are you ready? Yes, mate. Play your theme tune. Here we go. Welcome to the Mark Reads Some Film Lines in Some Similar Voices and Steve has to guess the film from the Lines Read to Get Points game. Hashtag What's That Film? There we go. So uh, that's your uh, theme tune there. Still, yeah. uh, still. what you? What would you say? The second best music? Second best see? one. That's yeah. what you're calling it, is yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. So, mate, I can't believe people still actually give a shit. It seems to be gathering momentum for some reason. Uh, what <laughs> was it and who got what? Right. So last week, everyone was Goodfellas, which... Oh. Elmo got in five. Oh. Lee bragging, right? He said he got five for it, but he's also got five in the last five. I mean, I've. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've Someone I don't listen. But, you know, I don't know. Jamie got five, it. two. Glyn got a four. Right. Miles got a three. Paul, big fat zero. All right. Never seen it. Has he not? No, never <laughs> okay. seen it. Uh, you like you're loving this, aren't you? Catching a few people yeah, out of work with these. Great, uh, yeah. great fun. But, I mean, Jill. I don't know. Don't think she fucking plays it. No, no. She hates your game. Oh shit, game. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Bring back the impressions. She said. Fucking hate that game. Uh, so yeah, I mean, here we go then. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a twist on this one oh, as well. No, I'm not. Well, doing the impressions these, are good. I'm not. No, I'm not doing the impression. I'm having to disguise the impressions right. because it's so iconic. I thought that's what you do every week. Uh, <laughs> here we go then, dickhead. Right, so five points. <laughs> What's that film? Rise and shine. It's bot whipping time. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is it? No. No, because I've disguised the impressions. Oh, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a reasonably good <laughs> fast impression. <laughs> no. Do you understand what I'm saying now? I mean... <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I seem to be struggling. Right, okay. So, so now we've got that sorted. What episode number is it? <laughs> so for four points, mate. Now I've disguised this impression also. Okay. Right. So four points, mate. What's that film? Now what I'm saying to you is you're the kind of club tooting, roar me eating, me Tarzan, you janin, big bald bubblehead who can only count to ten if he's barefoot or wearing sandals. <laughs> So putting me off with that <laughs> accent. I think that's cheating. It's got to be cheating putting that accent on because all I can think of is the film that I previously said. Right. Right, I don't know. No? No, I should. Clearly yeah. should know. Yeah. I might start bringing it in now a little right. bit, right? Three points, mate. What's that feel? Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. Do you know what I was going to... Before you said it, really? right, do you know what I was going to say? Yeah. I bet he comes out of a Jamaican accent. Yeah. Yeah. Was isn't it? Yeah, well done, mate. See what I can do it now. Uh, did you need to finish that one? Did I butt in? Sorry. No, no, no I it? didn't want to put that extra bit in because okay. that would have been a one. Okay, one, go on then. So two points, mate. Right. What's that film? Wanna kiss my egg? And for one point, mate. What's that film? Sunker man, you dead? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah okay I mean I get yeah. why you did it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there you go what do I get free free, free. free. okay Good not effort, too mate. bad not too bad so there you go well done yeah. so let us know what you got yeah um, not obviously DM let us know how many you got yeah uh, and then not in the DMs Tuesday, let though. us know what it is no no yeah. is that still going on <laughs> <is it>? apparently <laughs> okay alright then do you want to move on yes mate okay then mate this is Mark's Mail Sack here we go right then mate do you want to let people know how they can get in your seeping sack yes mate they can crawl in there via email which is moviedronepodcast at hotmail.com or on social media at twitter or instagram which is at movie underscore drone have you had a few in my sack is weeping, mate. Seeping, <laughs> I'll put. Well, mine's weeping. <laughs> um, There's okay. weeping a few in there. We could always do it filling up a little bit more. We could. I'll tell you what. Let's get some uh, Let's get some international questions. Yeah, most of them coming from the UK at the moment. Are, but obviously, we're regularly emptying my sack, so we need to keep it filled up. We do. Okay, do you want to move on seamlessly yes. then? Okay, well, it's a bit too late for that. But this is the next <laughs> section. This is a section that we love to call... Question, question time. time. Question time. Question time. Time for the question. Question time. Question time. Question time. Question time for the question. Question time. Here we go. So we had a topical question. We did. What was it? Just hi, Mark and Steve. Excited to hear you are covering one of my favourite B movies next week. This week. Um, and can't wait to hear your interview with Thunder Levin. My question for Mark's big old sack is, what are your five favourite so-called B-movies? Okay, I mean, I don't know if... I mean, some people might That's not... That's Jake in Stockport. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. thank you very much, Jake. Some people might not like their movies being called B-movies, mightn't they? But, I mean... Well, I had to Google this, mate, because there are varying definitions of B-movies, so I'd like to know what you feel is a B-movie. <laughs> right, okay, great. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, most of my... Most of the ones that sort of come up, I think, are horror, aren't they? A lot of B-movies. Um, so I've tried not to... Just choose horror ones. Well, I went through some B-movie lists because I was like, I'm not sure what class exactly has a B-movie. So I went through like top 100, top 250 B-movie lists. And a lot of them, I'm going to say, I was shocked come under B-movies. I've chosen a few of them. I've gone through it, but 
these do come under lots and lots of B-movie lists, and okay. I'm not necessarily agree with them. Not my definition of B-movie, but fuck it, it worked for me. Okay, I mean, I've got quite a few honourable mentions as well. I'd, mm. I'd find it difficult to sort of uh, yeah. tie it down, but go on then, what you got? Number five, mate. You would hate it, but I love it. Mac and Me. 1988. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, basically, I don't know. I can't remember it. I don't even think I've seen it. It's a 90-minute McDonald's advert, basically, right. or Coca-Cola. It's great. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Okay, my number five yeah. is Piranha. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good horror choice. one. Yeah, so, good choice. <laughs> yeah, I think, actually, I'm looking at the list now. There are quite a few horror ones. It's <laughs> in my honourables, mate. Is it? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a long time ago when I first saw that. Mm. Um, I thought it was great when they, they, they strip them. And I've always wanted a piranha since. Okay. But I can't keep goldfish. So there's no point in getting a piranha. Plus you'd probably have to get the vegetarian ones, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my number four, mate, 1974's The Beast Must Die. Okay. Peter Cushing. <laughs> Is that... The werewolf one, yeah. <laughs> the dog one. The dog one. I love it. Fucking hell. That's amazing, that Such was. a clever film, though. If, uh, yeah, it's quite, it was quite clever. I mean, everyone wants needs to see the um, the transformation. <laughs> yeah. Fucking immense. Yeah. Okay, my number four, was it? Yeah. Death Race 2000. Okay. The old one. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Have you seen that? No. Have you not? Seen okay, heard. good. You get points for uh, for running old grannies and that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I like the sound of it. That's good. <laughs> good. Go on. Mind number three, mate. Not that we condone that. I mean, no, no, obviously it's not, not real. Right. Don't do it. Not unless Fucking it's five points. Fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my number three, 1973s. You've seen it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a good transformation as well. That, that was wasn't great. It? That was awesome. <laughs> my number three yeah. is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay. You seen that one? I have. Yeah. Fun yeah. that, isn't it? Fun slash stupid. I thought you were going to say shit there. Yeah, ideas I was going to, but I went for stupid. It is ridiculous. I'm sure that someone said they were remaking it or making another one. I think so. You probably forget in that. (laughs) My number two, mate, 1987's Masters of the Universe. All right. I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was good fun. I mean, it is. I'd probably cry out. I'd say probably crying out for a remake. I'm not quite sure whether it's there's enough of a saliva let yet who remember it first. I think it might need a bit of a revival before they think of a. Is the cartoon and that still out? Hey, man. Never not seen it. No. Okay, my number two. Yeah. Dolomite. Cool. Good right. choice, yeah. That's fucking hilarious, wasn't it? Great one. I mean, it was good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoyed that. I mean, I don't know if he would class it as a B-movie, but it clearly is. Okay. My number one, mate. 1978's A Swarm. Okay. B-movie? Is that a B-movie? What? What? You'll get it in a minute. Oh. B-movie. Oh. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> Okay, you have some of that. Boom, boom. Okay, there's your joke for the fucking. That's the best joke you're going to hear on here all day. Okay, my number one. Yeah. Brain dead. Moving on then. No, honestly, I really do like brain dead. It's shit. It's not shit. It's good. It's good. I've got some honourables. Yeah. Um, things like Machete, Toxic Avenger. Right. Yeah. Have you ever seen a film called The Nostril Picker? No. No, it's trauma film. Trauma. It's real proper. Like, you know what trauma film is? Yeah. It's a it's a great one. The Nostril Picker. The stuff. Bit satirical horror. Hell comes to Frogtown, which VHS rights back did recently. Class of Newcomb High, Chopping Mall. Yeah. Uh, I had the room on there as well. I don't know if okay. you've seen the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, Basket Case. I've got, the got trilogy Chopping Mall. I actually yeah. enjoyed that more than I should have done. And then one I want to watch, Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. <laughs> is that 
what, did someone mention that? I'm sure they did recently. Yeah, I think it might have been in the same vein as Velocipasta. Uh, was it? Was yeah. it? Yeah, was it from M? Was it? Yeah, uh, maybe. It yeah, been. Poultry Geist, Night yeah. of the Chicken Dead. I really want to watch that. Yeah, Velocipasta's on my list. Oh, watch. is it? Yeah, it looks insane. <laughs> I've didn't filmbusters do Velocipasta? Uh, yeah, I think they've done it recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, we're excluding this week's main feature from the lists. Mm. It doesn't get to join it. No, I did have without Sharknado. I'm not yeah. quite sure whether. I'd like it to be. I suppose it is. Yeah. I suppose it is. But there yeah. you go. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jake. Yeah. All right then, mate. Do you want to tell people how they can contact us on social media? Send in all their scores and everything like that. Yes. Get us on Twitter or Instagram, which is at movie underscore drone, or via email on movie drone podcast at hotmail.com. Okay. So, uh, slightly special episode this week. <laughs> slightly <laughs> special, mate. Come on, build it up. <laughs> fucking awesome it's episode. difficult right so it's difficult to build up I remember where well, this all started yeah when I think I woke up one day to a message yes. from you um where on in your this stage where you were going rogue yeah and doing loads of weird stuff saying I've sorted something amazing and it ended up with us uh I think it was in between it was in between lockdowns and that it wasn't it was so yeah after. we were seeing each other we were together weren't we mm. two o'clock in the morning i think yeah. quite fucking cold in the shed yeah are you cold tonight no nope. i've got my heaters on mate. Oh, yeah, yeah I've, I've had them running okay <laughs> and uh and yeah and i just sitting there and i just remember thinking this is just like what the fuck is going on and dreading it but do you know what i had a really good time um in the interview you and you did. can't really call it an interview because no. we are the most useless interviewers that I've ever known in my life. It was just a bit of luck that he was such a great interviewee. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. So I think he was worried about obviously going on, but we really enjoyed what he was saying. But let's talk about the film yes, in mate. question. So we watched a film that's currently 3.3 out of 10 on IMDb. It's a 15, one hour, 26 minutes long build as an action adventure comedy. With a synopsis of when a freak hurricane swamps Los Angeles, nature's deadliest killer rules sea, land and air as thousands of sharks terrorise the waterlogged populace. Now, I can't find a concrete budget, but they're saying somewhere around a million dollars. Okay, this is written by Thunder Levin, directed by Anthony C. Ferrante, starring Tara Reid, Ian Zierin, John Hurd and Cassie Scarbo. This was 2013's Sharknado. Did Thunder send that clip? He did. Hurricane David is poised to be the first hurricane. It's a storm. That's what's driven them all up north. I've never seen so many of them. We're so bold. It's barely even raining. It's flooding here. And not the plumbing, the ocean. You need to go home. I'm not going anywhere. Storm's coming and it's coming fast. <laughs> Just can't sit back and watch this. Can't just wait here and wait shark to rain down on us. There we go. Yeah. Thank you very much, Thunder, yeah. for that. So, mate, I mean, so you organised an, an interview with Thunder Levin. I did. The writer of the first four, I think, Shark yeah, yeah, Nado, yeah. yeah. So we've got a bit of a love for this film. Um, mainly because we used to have we had parties on the opening nights. We had Sharknado premiere party, <laughs> yeah, mate, where we had Sharknado themed games and everything. I mean, it was more like what we call a piss up, an absolute <laughs> drink fest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Yeah. And uh, but we had a laugh, and it's given us affinity for the films. So I'd like to know, really, mate, without all the drink and stuff, yeah. what do you think of 
2013's Sharknado. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how much people judge me, mate. I think these films are fucking amazing. Right, okay. I, I just, after talking to Thunder, I think it's actually made me enjoy them even more. Right. Because he knows it's ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't pretend they're anything but ridiculous, but they're great. They're just fun. I was so entertained. I sat there, I had this on my big cinema. I don't know if I mentioned my cinema <laughs> thing. Um, I had this on my cinema thing. And I was, I mean, she thought I was fucking mental. Um, I'll be totally honest, not her thing. She wasn't that interested. Right, okay. But I was sitting there laughing, whooping. I thought it was great. I loved playing Spot. This is the thing I couldn't work out with this, is whether some of these bits that were ridiculous were little Easter eggs. So I enjoy spotting the Easter eggs like, oh, well, it ain't wet on that side of the road, even though it's pissing hard and stuff like that. <laughs> I had so much fun with it. I mean, Easter eggs or continuity errors, which, yeah. which we all know. I mean, the thing is, I I think this is the thing that endears me to it most is that it, it is like two films you've got one where um obviously i think the practical effects and stuff when they're sitting in the car and things like that are really good when they cut to the cgi it seems to be from a completely different time of the day or a completely yeah. different area so you've got sunshine the beach one at the start was absolutely amazing where you get the scenes of people riding big waves but then when they're actually seeing the, the people it's really calm you can yeah. actually see yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for miles out and I love watching and noticing them. And I think I remember when we watched it for the opening parties on all of them, spotting these sort of errors was so much fun. And we were in hysterics, I think, when we were doing it. I don't think, I don't think as we spoke to Thunder, you'll hear later, that it takes itself seriously. But it's not done like a silly spoof. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's self-aware, but it's not pretending to be a stupid spoof no, you know no, no. and that's what i love about it it's just one of those where i laugh when i watch it but it's not trying to be overly funny no no i think i mean there was lots of things like you had ridiculous idea but the sharks are inside and then when they drop none of the water gets disturbed and they just sort of vanish <laughs> but like I, was, I can't work out whether some of it is deliberate rather than try to and do it badly just not do it at all and make it obvious it's one of them i suppose budget is a big thing as well and i mean time scales of trying to get it done i mean trying to produce this movie in that budget on a set timetable must be hard work yeah and how do you spend your time and spend your money some things i suppose they deemed important some things they didn't i mean the ferris wheel cgi was brilliant that part of it yeah I mean, yeah. that was amazing yeah. that was really good a lot of the, the practical bits as i said look great and some of the cgi looks good it just doesn't seem to be in tune yeah um, i mean and that's that for me is the charm of it charm exactly yeah. it has got a certain charm i mean i i don't know whether this is um something i should say or something i shouldn't say but they say i, I don't know how much everything costs so i don't know a not camera. haircuts <laughs> like a camera of like do you hire it do you but i don't know how all of this stuff works but this is rumored to be a million dollars now i think there was some expensive watermelons bought from this because up until it got to a certain point i was like i don't know where they're spending the budget right i mean that's not a lot though is it i don't know well, it sounds a lot of I money. I mean, is that with me? wage, I suppose, as well, is it? I can't imagine if I mean, I've got a budget of two million. Have you? From Wikipedia, okay. yeah, but I mean, that's just. I mean, when the hammer turned up, I was like, ah, someone wanted a hammer. <laughs> oh, gotcha. gotcha. Do you think it's on Thunder's Drive? But I mean, like I say, this is an interesting thing. I don't know how much all of this costs. Right. I don't know, like, the CGI, 
how much extra would it have cost? See, this is why you're a shit interviewer, because you probably should have had all these answers at the interview. Possibly, you know I mean? yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to cause offence to anyone because I don't want to say it looks shit because it doesn't look shit. Like you say, there are moments where some of it looks great, like yeah. the Ferris wheel yeah, stuff, yeah, and there's really certain good. bits where you just think, surely someone could have just poked the wall with a broom handle to make it like, <laughs> blob around a bit when the shark went. Maybe, but I don't. I'm, it's easy to sit and criticise and simplify things when actually someone else is sitting there going. Well, fucking hell, mate, we shot this in X amount of days with X money. We had this much to do. We had to get that camera back. This bloke could only be on set for one day. Exactly, yeah. Um, Which I think, obviously, we had the issue, I mean, as you again, as you read later on, don't want to reference it too much, but with the sequels later on, with the cameos and stuff and and all that. Trying to tie everything up. I mean, this is going to come across as absolute arse-licking. And what? I totally appreciate it, and people can judge me as they like. But I think some of the writing in this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> some of some of the homages to, I mean, we spoke about the influence taken from Jaws. Yeah. But picking the few bits out, like there's the little scene where she goes, there were six of us in the water and only I got out. Um, we're going to need a bigger chopper. The air tank thing. I just thought some of it was so fucking clever and yeah. brilliant and sort of, like you say, self-aware of the film and where it is. Um, and just because the film might look a bit ropey with the production and the budget they had, I mean, this is one in films you're not going to convince someone to spend thirty million on. I wouldn't thought. No. And with what they did, I thought the writing was fucking brilliant. The story is outrageous, and I don't think Thunder would ever try and defend it as anything but. But it was fucking awesome. It's so much fun. I actually found it a little bit more subdued than I remember it first time round. Okay. I mean, I don't know if I remember watching it first time round at the party. I don't know, but since then. And I think it's because of the sequels and I, I, I couldn't... Up the ante every time. Yeah, and yeah. I think, obviously, the, yeah, they had to. So I suppose it sort of makes this one seem more subdued. And it's yeah. not really, is it? I mean, it's no. fucking sharks in a tornado, for God's <laughs> sake. So um, so it's not really subdued, but it, the, the sequels do make it feel like that. But I thought the casting was great. I did notice that a bit better this time. I actually did like the characters, and I felt that they were perfectly cast and i really enjoyed watching all of the characters like the barmaid i was gutted when she went i mean we say that she actually when she got yeah. eaten yeah. um i was actually gutted yeah and yeah i thought all of them were great i really enjoyed reading some of the stories about some of the cast members right. uh, some of them i mean some of them been open and said well i needed to pay the bills yeah so that's yeah. why i did it and i read one with tara reed where she had, was offered the park because there's lots of people mentioned who they wanted to do it and yeah. then obviously she was offered the part she said no and went off to dinner started telling people about it and they was like fucking get home and tell them you're doing it because it sounds amazing <laughs> and it is one of them films that is so ridiculous when you think of the story but so great at the same time and i can just imagine like the complete cult status that this has whipped up and got going i mean you've got some i watched look at the imdb reviews it's 3.3 on imdb travesty in my opinion but i mean this is people who are i've not got a sense of humor and i was expecting we're well, probably not know what they're getting into no do they? no and they watch it and think and actually rather than giving it a go but some of the reviews are fantastic and the sarcasm levels in them <laughs> are amazing <laughs> um and it's i've just it's just got a real cult status about it and i think there are people that genuinely love these and we genuinely love them yeah and we're not mocking them because i get so much enjoyment out of watching i mean as they've gone on i lost a little bit but certainly the first four or five 
we all had our premier parties for them. We all enjoyed, and it was a real thing of the year to actually come and watch them. Yeah. The um, I mean, I had a favourite scene. I think it's where uh, George says "ow" as he's being eaten. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the the great scenes. I think yeah. of of any film that I've watched. Uh, well, I'm not sure whether I would say "ow." when I was being eaten by a shark no. in a tornado, but it's just fucking hilarious. I love it. Your favourite? Well, this is what I'm going to get to, right? Oh. So, and I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I'm, I'm going to wait for you. You can answer this. Um, tell me a film that's got a better end sequence than this. I'll wait. <laughs> uh, I'll wait. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I mean, we've, we had the discussion about the Sharknado moments. Yeah. Um, I actually, I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite sure... In the Sharknado series, I think yeah. the Ring one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, later on, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right. We love that. That that got cheers for everyone. I think. Yeah. I think we was highly pissed at the time, but <laughs> the chainsaw out of a belly. Yeah, and Nova's still in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tell me, I mean, it's fucking amazing. I mean, the missus just looked at me and went, "Are you shitting me?" And but how like, can you? No. I mean, it's weird because we're saying about uh, name a better sort of ending than that, and I've just named one, and it's still in the Sharknado oh, yeah, series. Yeah, <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> which is good. I mean, you must be sitting there writing and thinking, right, okay, so no. It's just the way he goes in and he just... <laughs> and I mean, the chainsaw changes lengths. It's a really long one, then it's a really short one. <laughs> it's like a toy one when it's yeah, going like out. Yeah, a toy one, then this massive one, and then, <laughs> then he drags her out. And it's about like 10 minutes later, and then she sort of comes around. I've got the creepy bit where I'm like, oh, you kind of fancied his dad, and now you're quite happy. Well, I mean, that yeah. happens, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean... It, just great. I mean, that's a fantastic scene. It was. But like I say, probably not my favourite ending, even yeah. though it was that, that outrageous. It's, yeah. but it's not the most outrageous one, is it? No. no, I mean, no. Even but this is what I say. This is when you start a franchise as ridiculous as Sharks in a Tornado, you've got to keep that momentum. And yeah. That must have been just thinking, right, I've got her up the next one. I've got her up the next one. Well, I mean, like I say, that'll be explained, I think, later yeah. on, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, that was a very interesting part of it. I quite like the uh, when the Hummer turned up and it had the nitrous button. <laughs> and it yeah. had that sort of bit where he was getting away from the police and then I thought, so that was coming in later. So he hit the nitrous and it's going really fast and he just sort of rolled out the car. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't rattle along the road at all. It yeah, but just, this is the thing though, but isn't he it? Drove, he drove like five minutes in that car and then next thing he sort of turned around, jogged back 50 yards and he was back with them. And he's just like, it is, I mean, like I say, the missus was going, are you kidding me? Are you... And I was like, but this is the genius. Yeah. You've re- I think people cannot look. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. There has been films that I haven't taken to, and I just think that's fucking stupid. I'm not buying into this. Brain and, dead. Yeah, exactly. But exactly, that's what I'm saying. You mm. love it. I can't. So I get why people don't like it, mm. but they annoy me because it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like I say, we've had the parties. Yeah. Um, we had them for, I don't know, I can't remember when we stopped, actually. I think one just uh, fizzled out a bit. Yeah. Did, was it that we didn't do the, the English one? It had Katie yeah. Price in yeah. it. I yeah. We, we said no not to that happening. one, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Even though that probably would have been quite funny to watch. For me, this is the rawest one because, I mean, you don't get the cameos that you get later on. This is like the initial introduction to the characters. A couple of reasonably big actors in it, though, weren't there, to start with. But like you say, it was the, the cameos were the bits that were people 
like we was cheering when the cameo was yeah on yeah on. Um, but I do like this in its rawest form yeah. I've got to be honest even though it did as I said because of the other ones feel a bit subdued this time okay. and I suppose like I say I was sitting there on my own and watching it but yeah I did thoroughly I, mean, I actually it. think I got more enjoyment out of it after sort of chatting the thunder and getting that inside a view of it I suppose it's made me appreciate it a little bit more and the work that went into it oh yeah shit yeah Jesus um, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of pleased but gutted for him in the way that he's got this sort of thing. I mean, imagine writing. I mean, he's, he's written for years. He's done lots of other bits and pieces. And just having this that has soared, but just having fucking morons. I mean, I've been watching certain things on YouTube and that, and there's just people going, this is shit, this is shit. And you can see he's commenting back going, look, you've missed the point. Yeah, And yeah. just having to deal with twats every time. I mean, he had to deal with us too. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like I, said, I could have spoken to him for hours. He clearly thought... Well, you couldn't. You could have listened to him for hours. I don't listened, think we yeah. said any more than three words. No, no, but... Because we are fucking useless. We are useless. But, I mean, he clearly thought we were morons. <laughs> um, but he was just so down-to-earth and honest. And even saying, like, us saying to him, look, if there's something you slip up, we can get rid of it, whatever... And he was just like, no, and he was really honest and really genuine with his time and his answers. And he's had a lovely dog as well. Yeah, 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 it was a lovely dog. But yeah, like I say, I I mean, I've, I had a ball watching the film. I had even more fun, I think, talking to Thunder. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I'm really glad that we decided to do it. I mean, I wasn't when you first said uh, that we're doing it. Yeah. You was going rogue. As we said, but um, but like mate, honestly, thank you very much. Really enjoyed myself. It's one of those we've got to point out. Obviously, this was recorded months ago, so it's not been done while we've been in this lockdown. The the interview, the interview, yeah, yeah, yeah. The interview was done months ago, and the reason we've hung on to it so long, we wanted to do a Sharknado sort of get together so we was going to have like a bigger episode with everyone looks like we're locked down for about another three four months or whatever <laughs> so it's just come to time we've got to get it out yeah. we can't hang on to it don't want it to hold on to it for like a year no it's a shame it'd be it nice to shame. have a watch party yeah. and get everyone together and that yeah, yeah. well there you go then mate yeah. right so you got a score for Sharknado this time I have mate I, I can't work out whether I've been generous or not and I've, I've really struggled to score this because it's not an Oscar winning film but I've do I score it on enjoyment? Do I, so I've split it down the middle. I'm not ashamed to give it a 76. Have you? I've given it a 76 on the basis of I realise it's not an 80s or 90s film, but it does give me the enjoyment of an 80s or 90s film. Yeah. But I've got to realise where it's sitting. So I've okay. gone 76 to be fair. Okay. I've got 78. Okay. I've just got nothing but sort of good memories yeah. of watching it. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah and that's both. what it's all about. I'm just trying to be fair with the scoring so I'm not... You know, upsetting anyone. Okay, there you yeah. go. Well, before we get to the interview then, mate, yes. you watched anything else? I've watched a few, mate. Have you? Jurassic Park 3, obviously. Right. Cocktail on my new cinema system. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Like 90s, that one. I've watched Iceman. Right. She wanted to. I've let her read my book of Iceman. Oh, okay. Um, so she wanted to watch it. 60. It was yeah. a little bit better this time. Right. John Wick on my big TV thing. 80s. Kevin and Perry go large. It's not really your thing, though, eh? It was all right, 57. Mm. I watched a film called True Story. I'm not going to score that one. Um, and then Zodiac Rewatch. Right. Um, I got 68 on it this time round. Still a bit low, I think, for that, mate. Yeah. But in my opinion. I did get more from it this time round, I'll right. be honest. Um, but, yeah, still still far from my favourite. Okay. I mean, with my up and down week. You finished? Anyway. Yes. Okay. With my up and down week, I've watched one. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Everything's been going wrong, mate. So was Just it trying to put Wi Fi on uh, This was a down. Oh. Uh, it was uh, called Collide. Okay. It was very predictable. It was set in Germany. Uh, it's Nicholas Holt, I think, wasn't it? Okay. But it was just really weird. The one thing that did notice is that he was on the run from some gangsters, but every car that he stole was a supercar. He must have driven a Ferrari, an Aston Martin, all of them. Anywhere he went, petrol station on the middle of a motorway, stole a car, supercar. It was a bit extreme. But anyway, it was just... budget then, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I'll give him 53. Okay. That's just something to watch. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Okay then, mate. Right. So, the moment. Yeah. This is it. We uh, we sat down with Thunder Levin. We did. Uh, we were supposed to be interviewing. Yeah. We didn't really do an awful lot. Thunder was absolutely amazing. Told us everything that we wanted to know and more, and it was great. Yeah, I got a little bit starstruck. I couldn't really get my words <laughs> out. Did you not? No. I mean, even if you're not interested in the actual Sharknado film and you're one of these morons... That, that, that don't think much of it. There's so much in the interview that's not Sharknado and gives you a real sort of inside of view. It's got me wanting to read screenplays and everything like that, and I'm reading loads now. Yeah, um, Thunder did give us an insight, didn't about they? the yeah. sort of movie-making process. Yeah. It, it's really worth a listen, trust yeah. us. So we go over to Thunder? Yeah. Cool. Here we go. This is our interview with Thunder Levin. Okay, so as discussed, we have got the big man, the writer of Sharknado with us, live from... Uh, Santa Monica, California. There we are, Mr. Thunder Levin. Thank you very much, Mr. Levin, uh, for joining us. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, we had a little bit of a chat. We told you about our premiere parties that yeah. we have at Sharknado. You have caused many hangovers in our lives um, <laughs> with, with yeah. all of the We've films. Had, well, we had shark, Sharknado-themed battle sharks we had, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah. We've had all sorts. So uh, thank you very much for those hangovers. I've since given up drinking because of that, so please don't bring out another <laughs> oh, one. Oh, that's a shame because the whole purpose of Sharknado was to create drinking games. Right. So. <laughs> so we'd love to hear a little bit about it. We've got some questions for you if you wouldn't mind answering and having a little chat about it. Yeah. Well, so obviously Sharknado has got this, it's, I mean, it's got this momentum now. It's just got a huge cult following. So when you was writing it and getting it produced and doing all the bits, did you expect it to have the reception it's had? Or was, was you expecting more or less? How, how did it all work out overall in the project for you? When I started writing it, I was just having fun with it. And I just hoped that other people would have fun with it too. Originally, I was going to direct it. So as I was writing it, I was figuring out how I was going to do this stuff. And uh, at some point, I really wasn't sure how we were going to do it on the tiny budget we had. Uh, and I ended up directing another project because I had another film happen at the same time. Um, so once I was done with the script, I really had very little to do with it for six or nine months, maybe even a year, because uh, I'd written it well before they started shooting. And, you know, I just didn't know. I mean, it could have been it could have been the end of my career. Um, you know, it was a very uh, unknown thing whether people would would get what we were trying to do. And and once I withdrew from directing it, it was an unknown thing for me, whether the director who ended up doing it would get what I was trying to do. And, and so that was a big thing. And then. And he wouldn't even let me see. That's another story. But I, I didn't even see the film until it premiered that night. So I was sort of on uh, tinterhooks wondering, you know, not only how it was going to be re received, but how it had even turned out. But while I was writing it, I just was trying to have fun. And I was just thinking, if I enjoy this, 
if if this is just silliness that makes me happy, then maybe it'll make other people happy too. And and thank God it did. In the last week or two before the film actually aired, uh, we were getting some press requests and there was starting to be some buzz. And uh, I actually heard from a couple of different friends who'd been at uh, parties that people were talking about it. And so that was that was very encouraging. I guess I went into it thinking it would be great if it ended it up being, you know, a, a cult film that had this, maybe it would develop a small, you know, really disturbed core audience, <laughs> um, you know, like Rocky Horror Picture Show or, or something. And then the night it premiered, the way Twitter blew up, you know, that was just pretty unexpected. Um, I had done a, a live tweet for... Uh, for the film I'd done the year before, American Warships, which premiered on Sci-Fi Channel. And that experience, there was maybe, you know, a hundred people tweeting along. And, um, you know, one or two were asking intelligent questions and the other 98 were telling us how bad we sucked. And so I was kind of prepared for for that the night Sharknado premiered. Uh, And instead there was this, you know, this explosion of, uh, of people and celebrities started tweeting about it. And, uh, and I got onto, the, onto Twitter and I could barely get a, a word in edgewise. Every time you hit refresh, there were 200 new messages. There was no way to really respond to, uh, to anything because it was just this, this onslaught of, of commentary. And people were having fun with it and they were taking it in the, in the spirit uh, in which I had always intended it. And that was just that was just the most wonderful feeling. It was um, it was surreal. I always I always talk about that night as being surreal. You know, I've been I've been in this business for a long time. Even even at that point, I'd been doing this for twenty years and largely toiling in obscurity. And so that night was kind of the night I had dreamed about twenty years before when I started out. So to have it uh, have it happen after all that time was uh, was really kind of amazing. At the same time, I was seeing the film for the first time because uh, Anthony Ferrante, the director, was uh, was very apprehensive about uh, about letting me see it. Uh, and I knew from things I'd overheard, and we were actually sharing an editing suite. Uh, I was doing another film at the same time, and every once in a while, I'd look over you know, over my shoulder to try and see what he was doing. And there was stuff there that I just did not recognize. And so I was a a little apprehensive about what changes he might have made and uh, if he'd gotten in the same spirit of it that I had. But then it was all good. It all worked out the way way I'd hoped. So on your first viewing of it, when you actually saw it for the first time, had he got across pretty much exactly what you had imagined? Well, he, he changed... A fair amount in the first 20 minutes or so. He moved a lot of stuff around. Um, he didn't really create that much uh, new stuff, but he took some of the things I did and he moved them around. So for the first 20 minutes, I was I was not really sure how it was going because I was just seeing what was different. Yeah. But then after after that, once once sort of the the plot really got going and and Finn was off to try and save his family, it settled down and it was pretty much. Uh, as I had intended, but more, more importantly than, um, than it looking the way I had seen it in my head, because of course, when someone else directs something you've written, it never looks quite the way you've seen it in your head, Mm -hmm. but he got the spirit of it. Uh, and that was the most important thing. So I think he, uh, he handled it just right. 
I mean, from our point of view, one of the things that we really wanted to know is what inspired you to write Sharknado because for us it's it's such a great idea. Yeah. Um, oh, we awesome. find it we yeah, we find it absolutely um, intriguing and and uh, and as you say, great fun. But I just wondered what films or anything actually inspired you to, to come up with the idea for this one. Well, for, first of all, it's important to know that I did not come up with the word Sharknado. Okay. Um, that was actually <laughs> it was actually a throwaway line in another film that coincidentally Anthony Ferrante had written. It was a, it was a film called Leprechaun's Revenge, and I don't know if many people saw it, but there was this this one little scene where two characters are hiding somewhere, uh, I guess from a leprechaun attack. I don't I don't know. I've I've only seen it in bits and pieces. And uh, one character says to the other, I hope our town doesn't go the way of that other town. I forget the name. They never recovered after the Sharknado hit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the conversation continued. And there was, there was you know, nothing about it. It was, a, it was just a, a throwaway gag. And uh, somebody at Sci-Fi, one of the execs at Sci-Fi, picked up on that and said, hey, that's the movie we should do, Sharknado. So by the time it got to me, it, it was already a, a title... And they'd even uh, they'd even put together about half a page of notes about different things they thought could happen. They they thought it would take place in Australia, because that's where the uh, most famous fish rain uh, had ever happened. So I moved it to Los Angeles. I I created the characters. I created the the events. I mean, what you see when you watch Sharknado, you know, is ninety nine percent. That might be an exaggeration. Ninety eight percent. You know, my creation. From the writing standpoint, obviously the director is also creating as he uh, as he shoots. But I did not have the uh, the lightning bolt idea, sharks in a tornado. I, yeah. I can't take credit for that as much as much as I would like to. <laughs> um, but then figuring out, but you know, I mean, a movie about sharks in a tornado could have still gone any one of a million different ways, mm. and it could have been played completely seriously. Or it could have been played completely for laughs, and I didn't think either of those was the right approach. I think it had to. I I felt like I was walking a, a tightrope because it had to seem like it took itself seriously, but at the same time, the audience was going to have to be in on the joke and know that we were in on the joke. To me, that was the only way it was really it was really going to work. Because if it, if it was completely serious, then we'd just come off looking foolish but if we were winking at the camera every 30 seconds it was just going to be cheesy in a bad way Mm -hmm. and i I felt like it it needed to be cheesy in a good way (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so i did not come up with the idea um but where where my ideas uh started obviously jaws uh influences every shark movie that's ever been made um jaws is the uh is the gold standard, and of course, I'd seen Deep Blue Sea, and I'd seen a bunch of other, uh, a bunch of other shark movies. In fact, originally, I turned down the writing job because I felt like we'd seen enough shark movies and enough storm movies, and we didn't, weren't, weren't going to have the budget to really do it right. And the Asylum has the—that's the production company that made it. The Asylum, they have a tendency to play all their movies straight. And I thought if we tried to play this completely straight, it wasn't going to work. And so at first I turned them down and I went off to develop uh, another film. And like a month later, they came back to me uh, because in the interim, uh, when, when they first asked me to write it, the title was going to be Shark Storm. 
and that just it just didn't uh, didn't appeal to me. Hmm. But like a month later, they uh, they had had the, a meeting with Sci-Fi, and they had pitched them their Sharks in a Storm movie, and it was one of those moments because. Um, I keep making these hand gestures, but I'm forgetting that we're just <laughs> audio here. It was one of those moments, uh, a perfect storm kind of moment, because sci-fi had this title, Sharknado, but they didn't have a movie for it. And the Asylum knew they wanted to make a Sharks in a Storm movie, but it wasn't particularly inspired. And so uh, they pitched the Sharks in a Storm movie to Sci-Fi Channel. And Sci-Fi said, well, that's fine, but call it Sharknado. And so then they came back to me and they said, forget about Shark Storm. Now it's going to be called Sharknado. And of course, I said, what the sharks have to do with the North Atlantic Treaty Organization? <laughs> I, I heard Sharknado. And he's like, no, no, no. Sharknado, a, a tornado of sharks. And I said, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And if I can do it that way, then yeah, I'm in. That sounds like a lot of fun. And they said, yes, uh, now that it's going to be called Sharknado, we grudgingly recognize that it will have to be a bit ridiculous. And so once once we were clear on that, I was sort of off to the races. And I was sort of writing the kind of movie that I always wanted to write, but knew I would never get to because, you know, you don't do things like that. So my approach was to sort of start with a realistic disaster film uh, to, give it a, to give it a structure. And so it was... Uh, Sorry if you can hear that noise. My dog is trying to dig a hole in the floor. <laughs> um, so, so my idea was to start with a realistic disaster movie structure. And I thought, what would happen if a hurricane hit Los Angeles? Because this is a city, you know, I mean, you see the palm trees and you think it's tropical, but it's not. We're really a city in the desert here. And we're not equipped for rain at all. I mean, mo most places, you know, buildings have slanted roofs, so the rain or the snow can run off them. But in Los Angeles, all the roofs are flat, and the streets don't drain very well. And every time we do get a little rain, the streets start flooding. And so I thought, if a hurricane actually came up the coast and hit this city, it would be an utter disaster, because the city would just flood. And then I added sharks and tornadoes to that. <laughs> um, and and so once once you add... Sharks being sucked up out of the ocean and spun about and thrown around in a city that's flooded. Well, traditionally, you would think that being on dry land gets you out of the shark's territory, but now you're not really. And so that that was the, the kernel of the idea. And I just ran with, you know, whatever possibility. I mean, I always tell people that I just took it to the, I just started with a uh, perfectly, uh, a sound premise because fish have fallen from the sky before it has happened. Mm -hmm. And then I just took it to its logical extreme. And sometimes I get in trouble because people <laughs> don't see the logic in it, but to me, it makes perfect sense. So when you're given, so you give given the brief and you accept the job, mm -hmm. are you given a budget? Are you given a cast list? Do you write it with cast in mind or do you just free bowl it and see what you come out with at the end? Well, that, uh, that, changes from project to project. Okay. Um, if I know there is cast involved already, or if I'm, if I know I'm going to be the one directing it, then I might, I might think about cast as I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously for the Sharknado sequels, I already knew the cast yeah. 
And, and so I was indeed writing to their various strengths and weaknesses. But for the first one, we did not have any cast. I did not really have anyone in mind for, for Finn Shepard. For April, I was thinking about um, Elizabeth Shue. Okay. And um, for Nova, I was actually thinking about an actress named Johanna Watts, who had been in two of my previous films. And, and so that, that's what I sort of had in my head. And the truth is, when I was thinking about Finn, I was really just putting myself into that role. Uh, sometimes if, if I'm writing a, uh, a male hero who's even close to my age and experience, I end up just sort of writing an idealized version of what I think I would do mm-hmm. in that scenario. You know, if I were an action hero, what would I do? And so that's probably why I didn't really... Uh, envision any particular actor in that role because mm-hmm. it was just me. And I just kind of went through that script thinking, you know, what would I do if sharks started falling from the sky? <laughs> um, you know, and I like to, I've been sort of uh, prepping for the end of the world my whole life. And so I'd like to think I was prepared. And so that sort of became Finn's motto, uh, Semper Paratus. And well, how do you fight uh, sharks falling from the sky or swimming at you in two feet of water when you're in the middle of a city. And so uh, since we couldn't have lightsabers, uh, a chainsaw seemed like the most logical thing. Again, <laughs> I, I, just kind of, I just kind of started with the absurd premise and then tried to go from there as logically as I could without ever putting any limits on it. Uh, that, that, that was the main thing about Sharknado is where, where a, a more serious movie would have to stop and say, we, we can't do that. That's too silly or that's too ridiculous or that could never happen. As long as I could come up with some sort of justification for it, I would put it in. <laughs> and one of my little pet peeves about movies in general and about screenwriting is that they never seem to quite exist in our reality because in our reality, movies exist, right? Mm -hmm. We've all seen Jaws. So if you were really in the position of sharks falling from the sky, you would think of Jaws, right? We we all have this shared uh, experience through through movies. But most movies and most movie scripts don't want to acknowledge that because I guess they think it's kitschy or something. Mm. Um, Or maybe they think it'll make them dated. But I mean, we were making this movie what forty years after Jaws, so I didn't, I didn't really think having Jaws references would make us dated. And to me, if sharks are falling out of the sky and you don't reference Jaws, that's a little odd. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want Sharknado to be at all odd. That's all. I mean, we know very little about um, about anything really. But I mean, the, the right, <laughs> the, the right inside of it. So, um, if you can, you, just had, put, you had to say that just as I had taken right. a sip of my drink. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, as if you can just put your right ahead on rather than sort of sure. your direct ahead at the moment. So, what is your involvement as a writer? So, you mentioned that you didn't really get to see much of Sharknado till it was finished. But on a normal project would you get to go to the set or do you just hand it over and you do wait to the end um what's the involvement that you have after after writing something like that well again it changes from film to film Hmm. um the first sharknado i handed in the script and once i decided that i wasn't going to direct it it was uh i had nothing to do with it i was actually off in costa rica shooting another film called ae little science fiction film that I like a lot, but it sort of got lost in the, in the glare of Sharknado. 
So I had nothing to do with Sharknado. I didn't even know who was directing it. I didn't know who was in it. I didn't really know anything about it until after I got back from Costa Rica and I was editing my film and uh, the Sharknado guys were, uh, were sharing the editing suite with us. And so every once in a while, I'd, see, I'd look over and see something. Whereas Sharknado 2 and Sharknado 3, I was very involved. I mean, Anthony and I uh, and the producers, you know, would have conversations about what the movie was going to be. Uh, and then I would go off and write it. And every once in a while, as I was writing, I would call Anthony if I had an idea and see what he thought or if he, uh, if he thought it would even be possible. And then I was on set. I was on set for all, almost all of Sharknado 2. I was on set for, I don't know, about half of Sharknado 3, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, and I was very involved. And uh, especially on Sharknado 3, we were, we were getting, you know, by then they, they had figured out that cameos were an important part of what Sharknado as a franchise was going to be. Yeah. And so they were casting cameos right up until the very last second. And when I say the last second, I don't mean right up to the last night before we started shooting the first day. I meant as we were shooting, <laughs> they were still adding cameos. Oh, and, and one day, uh, two actors showed up for the same role. <laughs> and, and I was on set and, you know, Anthony's too busy to figure this out. And he says, look, I've got two people playing this, this one role. You've got to divide them in half and then add stuff so that they both have enough to do to justify, you know, having come out here. So things like that happened, and that, that's the most extreme example, but people were getting added a day or two uh, before, and so a role that had been written as sort of a generic cameo, I would then have you know, a day to tailor to whoever was going to come in and play it. So, the, so that, was, that was actually a, a really fun experience for me, because when, normally when I'm on set, I'm there because I'm directing, and directing is very stressful. And you tend to develop tunnel vision, and all you know is what you have to do next and what you have to do for the rest of the day. And then when the day is over, you start thinking about tomorrow and trying to keep it all straight in your head. Uh, and every minute, you know, thousands of dollars are being spent. And if you screw up or if you don't have an idea or if something goes wrong, it's all your fault and it's going to cost a fortune and you're going to get behind schedule and who knows what's going to happen to your movie. So when, when I've been on set directing, even though I love doing it, it's actually my, the only job in the world that I really love. It's also very stressful and you don't really get to enjoy just sort of being there and seeing what's going on. Um, directors are famous for having tunnel vision and not knowing what else is going on the set. Like uh, on, on every film I've directed, there have been little romances between you know cast or between crew members and I would get to the rap party when we were done and I would see them, you know, making out in a corner. And I would like, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> but on Sharknado 2 and 3, where I most of my work was done and I just got to sit around enjoying it. And every once in a while, you know, I might have to make some changes. It was a really fun experience. And that was very enjoyable. Did- on the other hand, I've, I've, I've had films that I've written and not directed and I visited set, and the director was doing things that just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever, and it was unpleasant. Mm. And um, it's like he just didn't get what I'd written, and uh, you know, I went one day and decided not to go back because it was just uh, 
sort of a painful experience for mm. me. So it does vary from film to film. Did the success of Sharknado, the first one, um, increase or decrease your enjoyment and getting involved in the next ones? Because obviously the way that it blew up and sort of uh, got the momentum, did that make it more stressful for you to sort of carry on? Um, or was it much more enjoyable because uh, you knew that you had something? Well, it was both. It right. was both, to be honest, because obviously there was a lot more pressure. Um, nobody expected anything of Sharknado, the first one. I mean, I got one round of notes from the producers and then one round of notes from the Sci-Fi Channel. And that was about it. Pre pre I was pretty much left to my own devices. Um, but once it became this big success and we knew there was going to be a sequel, you know, then executives started paying more attention to it. And that actually, that trend continued to the point where by Sharknado 4, I was pretty much being told exactly what to write. I was getting lines from vice presidents and right. producers and and it just made the the experience kind of unpleasant right. but for those for those first two sequels for two and three it was it was gradually increasing the pressure but at the same time it was a lot of fun because i'd never gotten to do a sequel before i'd never had a a surprise you know hit before and so that was a that was a great new experience we were all riding very high when we started sharknado 2 and in fact you know, I guess through the through the third one, we were all riding pretty high because when Sharknado Two came out, it broke the ratings record for sci-fi, and it uh, I think it set a record on Twitter for most Twitter impressions for a, a hashtag. So it was it was a great, wonderful time, and we were all, you know, kind of delirious with our own success, uh, even if we weren't, you know, delirious by becoming rich because there there was not a lot of money involved, believe me. But so it was both. So, I mean, when I was writing Sharknado 2, they kept asking me what's going to be the big moment. Everybody, we had actually taken to calling it the Sharknado moment, right? When Finn, in the first movie, when Finn goes into the shark with the chainsaw and he cuts his way out and then he reaches back in and Nova's in the same shark and he pulls her out. That became known as the Sharknado moment. It was it was it was obviously the most famous moment from the film. It's what you know what uh, launched a thousand memes. And so everybody was sort of kept asking me, "How am I going to top that?" And I was like, "I have to top that." <laughs> um, and and the truth was, I didn't know. And what I kept telling people uh, was, "I don't know, but I will figure it out when I get there." And miraculously, they accepted that, which, which, considering what happened on the later movies, really is extraordinary. But they just, they just, I mean, they weren't happy about it, but, you know, I'd written the first one, and the first one was a big hit, so they decided to take my word for it. And so I was about 10 pages in, I guess. I was writing the uh, teaser uh, for Sharknado 2, the, the whole sequence that takes place on the airplane. And I was thinking about how I was going to, end the film. And, and as I was writing and leading up to the fact that, um, that a shark was going to bite April's hand off, that's when the ending came to me, that, that Finn would, uh, would lasso this shark in midair. He would ride it down onto the spire of the Empire State Building. He would reach into its mouth and find April's severed hand uh, <laughs> with the gun still in it. And then after he'd used that gun to kill the last shark, he would take her, her, the ring off her finger and propose to her again. That all sort of came to me in a flash as I was writing 
as, as I got to the point where April's hand was bitten off uh, in the teaser sequence. Uh, and so I, I sort of quickly wrote that up and I called Anthony and I said, what do you think of this? And he loved it. And I said, okay, now don't tell anybody because I want them to come to it as they read the script. And so all through the, the, the two months that I was writing that first draft of Sharknado 2, I know Anthony was running a certain amount of interference for me, keeping them from bugging me too much. But even so, it was some of it was getting through to me that they were all really concerned about what that moment was going to be. And fortunately, I was able to keep it to myself until I finished the script and handed in the first draft. And then the night before we started shooting, um, the, uh, the executives from Sci-Fi took us all out to dinner. And the VP in charge of the original movies department uh, took me aside. And he said, that moment was genius. Thank you. And that, that, was, that was pretty much the, the nicest moment um, I had had uh, professionally up to that point. And then as, as the franchise progressed and it became this big thing that uh, sci-fi was going to rely on for, you know, for ratings each year, the executives started micromanaging more and more. Um, so there was a lot of a lot of back and forth with them uh, during the writing of the third one. And there were a lot of changes going on uh, on set. Even once we were already shooting, the, our, our assistant director, who is based, I don't know how much you know about how a film set works, but the assistant director, at least with an American crew, they pretty much run things. We all, we all think the director runs things, but really it's the, it's the first assistant director who makes sure that, the film gets made sort of once you start shooting. And there, there was a point about halfway through the shoot of Sharknado 3 where the assistant director just threw her hands up and said, no more changes. Because every time you make a change, it costs us time and money. And my reaction was, it's not my fault. The, the people who sign my check are telling me I have to make these changes. Uh, and that sort of went on all through the third movie. And so I was kind of at the point after that, where, you know, either they're going to have to pay me a lot of money or they're going to have to sort of back off a little bit and trust that the people who created this uh, phenomenon, if, if I do say so myself, absolutely, um, <laughs> actually know what we're talking about and, and just let me and Anthony make our movie. And sadly, that did not happen. It went further in the other direction. After Sharknado 3, there was a, um, a market research study uh, was conducted. And it was a very, to me, it was kind of like a push poll. Like, like when, like when you get a, a telephone, uh, pollster asking you, do you favor candidate A who's trying to save the world? Or do you prefer candidate B who wants to destroy everything? Well, obviously you're going to say candidate A. And, and so they did this market research study where they asked people, what do you like the most about Sharknado? The crazy shark kills, the cameos or the character development? Well, obviously, nobody's going to say character development when you do a survey like that. Mm -hmm. But it's the character development that actually keeps you watching while the crazy shark kills and the, and the funny cameos happen. Mm. Uh, and if it was just crazy shark kills and cameos and you didn't care about the characters, you would lose interest. Yeah. And, and, and so after the results of this uh, market research study came in, they basically said, okay, forget about all the character development, 
Forget about, you know, the clever plot devices that you've been building up for the last three movies that you want to continue. Just give us lots of crazy shark kills and pop culture references and cameos. And it was the exact opposite of the way I thought the franchise should be progressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it, it, it sort of made it uh, less pleasant. And I, I, I turned in a first, uh, uh, actually, I did several drafts of the fourth movie. Uh, but even after I turned in my final draft, trying to make them happy, they, the producers ended up pretty much completely rewriting it anyhow. To, uh, to my great dismay, and I think to the, to the detriment of the film. I think, um, I think Sharknado 4 and 5 were the two weakest of the, of the series. I think 6 improved a bit, um, but by that time uh, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't involved. But, uh, but the experience on, uh, on 2 and 3 was great fun. Can I ask just a little bit of your background? Because obviously, I mean, we'd all love to work in movies. <clears throat> I don't know how we'd go about it. Did you go to a specialist college? I mean, we've got a guy yeah. who interacts with us a lot called Brian. He teaches screenwriting. And it seems in America there's a lot of opportunities to try and or try and learn this. Where I don't know where we'd go in the UK, but did you go to a college? Did is it something you force your way into? How have you got <laughs> where you are now? Where it all started for me was when I was a very little kid and I was watching Star Trek, the original Star Trek. You know, I knew when I grew up, I wanted to work on the Enterprise. I wanted to be Mr. Spock or Captain Kirk or Mr. Sulu. But I was just old enough to know that it wasn't real, and that was kind of a bummer. And then a, uh, uh, a friend, actually a distant cousin, gave me a book called The Making of Star Trek. And it was a very, you know, grown-up book. I was like five years old, I think. So naturally, I just turned to the, uh, the picture section, and one of the pictures in there is of a group of um, studio technicians, you know, in their 1960s shirt sleeves and working on the bridge of the Enterprise. And I think at that moment, something clicked in my head that said, ah, there is a way I can work on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's sort of, when I look back on it, that's sort of where it started. That was the seed. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, I was just a big sci-fi fan and a big movie fan in high school. And I took a couple of uh, TV production classes. And uh, that led me to think that maybe a career in film was a possibility. And so then I went to, uh, to NYU, New York University, and I majored in film and um, spent four years there. Uh, made a good, I thought, a good student film mm-hmm. and, uh, and then moved to Hollywood with my student film. And I, you know, started just cold calling film producers who'd done movies that I liked or who were working at a level that it seemed like maybe they'd give uh, new filmmakers an an opportunity. Uh, And I would say, hey, I've just graduated from NYU. I moved out here. Would you look at my student film? And some of them would and some of them wouldn't. And a lot of the ones who did, you know, never got back to me. But a few of them responded and they liked what I'd done. And, you know, slowly I built up relationships and I was mainly concentrating on directing. And, and finally someone said, look, kid, if you want to direct, the best way to do that is to write a script that somebody wants to produce and attach yourself as director. And so I wrote a script and, um, uh, one of these people that I had gotten to know liked it enough to send it to a producer who was making low-budget films that they knew. And uh, that producer called me in and said, hey, look, we can't afford to produce this script that you've written. It's too big budget. 
But if you have an idea for a very low budget film, you know, give me a call. And so a while later, me and my friends got together and came up with an idea for a low budget film and got them to agree to finance that. And it was, uh, it was a really a disaster. The producer basically took the film away from me. He was undermining me from the beginning. I guess he thought uh, the, the producer who was actually making it was not the guy who bought the project. He was a guy who was hired by the guy who bought the project. And I guess he thought I was too inexperienced. And so he was trying to do his thing. I was trying to do mine thing. And they were, they were sort of at exact uh, opposites. And uh, it was just a disaster. And so then I spent a lot of time concentrating on my writing and started, uh, you know, trying to get my scripts out there. And I spent a lot of years having just enough success to not give up. You know, my scripts would get optioned, but not produced. Um, I had one, one science fiction script that was optioned three different times by three different producers, and neither one of them ever got it made. You know, but I was getting just enough validation that I didn't feel like I should give up. And then finally, I don't know, 10, 15 years down the road, you know, you sort of look in the mirror and you say, time is going on <laughs> and, and this isn't working. What am I going to do? And I had always told myself that if things didn't work out, I would raise money and make a film of my own. And um, right about around that time, I had been talking to a producer uh, who was based in San Francisco, who was putting together financing for a slate of low-budget films. And he liked my writing, and he said, look, write me an urban horror film, maybe something that can take place mostly in a warehouse, because we're going to have this big empty warehouse that we're going to be turning into a, into a soundstage. And that'll be the first film we do, once I get all the paperwork with my investors uh, finished. And so, okay, I, me and a partner sat down, and we wrote this little this little zombie film and um, sent it off to him and we didn't hear back and we didn't hear back and weeks and then eventually months were going by and I would leave emails and I would leave phone messages and I didn't hear from him. Finally, I called again one day after he'd had the script for several months and his wife answered the phone and she said, I'm sorry to tell you that Roger passed away. He had a heart attack. Uh, he had a previously undiagnosed heart condition. He had a heart attack and he died. And uh, this was a big, strong, healthy guy. Uh, and so my partner and I uh, got together and I said, look, we have to make this movie ourselves. We've written a script that can be produced very inexpensively. We have to raise the money and make it ourselves because we could die. <laughs> and so that's what we did. Yeah. We put together a business plan. We sent it to everybody we knew who, you know, had some money. And, uh, you know, and I... My father knew people who had some money and my partner knew people. And we, you know, we networked. We got it to people who knew people who knew people. One of our investors was the parents of a high school friend of my wife. And I don't even remember why she thought to ask her friend if he knew anybody who might want to invest in a movie. But it turns out that his parents had won the lottery. And, and so they invested in the film. And, and, and we just sort of, you know, we weren't trying to raise that much money. It was only about uh, $150,000. But eventually we, uh, we did it and we, we made the movie and we hired C. Thomas Howell and we made this movie called Mutant Vampire Zombies from the Hood. And um, it was not widely seen. It didn't get a great distribution deal. 
But what it did accomplish was I now had a feature film professionally produced with at least one known actor in it, actually two, because Greg Allen Williams was in Baywatch, uh, and so people recognized his face. And so I started, now I had a feature film uh, that I could send to producers instead of just telling them I was a, a good director. I finally had some proof that I could do what I'd been telling them I could do for the last 10 years. And one of those producers was a guy named David Latt, who I actually knew as a friend of a friend. I knew him more socially than as a, a filmmaker. But he was a partner in a company called The Asylum. And I sent him this film and he said, okay, we'll put you on our list. And the next time we need, uh, we need people to come up with ideas, uh, we'll, we'll give you a call. And so they, a few months later, they contacted me and they said, hey, we need some ideas for this kind of movie. And they ended up not going for any of my ideas, but I guess they liked them enough that the next time they needed a uh, street racing movie, an, out, an outlaw street racing movie, because they were going to do sort of a, a knockoff of Fast and the Furious 5. And so I pitched them this idea for a movie called 200 Miles Per Hour. They liked it. They hired me uh, to write it. I went in for my first meeting with them, and I was telling them all my ideas for how I was going to direct it. And they started looking at each other, and they were like, we already have a director for this movie. There, there must have been some miscommunication. And so that was disappointing. But uh, I wrote the script, and they made the movie. And I guess they liked it enough that they said, okay, well, the next one you can direct. Mm -hmm. And that was a movie called American Warships. And up till that point, I think it was probably one of the best-made films the Asylum had done. And they just came to me after that. And they said, all right, what do you want to do next? And out of that question came uh, a little science fiction film called AE and uh, a ridiculous movie called Sharknado. <laughs> Ridiculously great movie called Sharknado. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so part of our podcast, we have a little section where we homework. So we give each other films that the other one hasn't seen. Um, mm -hmm. We like to call them little hidden gems. Um, and we love trying to find little independent, indie, small production films. Are there any movies out there off the top of your head where you've seen or you just think they are a great little movie that you can recommend to us? There is one, actually. I just saw, I think, on Netflix called Mother. Okay. Or I, I Am Mother. That's it. I Am Mother. It's a little science fiction film. I've already forgotten who's in it. Okay. But, um, but basically, it's about, it's after human civilization has been destroyed and some human embryos have been left in the care of this robot. And so this robot, which is raising this one human girl in a lab, basically. And so it's a very small contained movie. It's very clever the way they kept their, their production costs down. And it's very well done. I really enjoyed it. So that's a, that's a little current hidden gem. Awesome. And I, I, I guess maybe that question is leading you towards uh, talking about uh, other films that we might have discussed. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, Mark, you you hadn't seen it before, had you? Seen, or? heard of? No. Any? It was a real sort of curveball for me. Yeah, I'm a bit older than you, and I sort of remember it from uh, from sort of uh, probably a little bit later in the '80s than it was actually made. But yeah, you mentioned the infamous watermelon scene. Yeah, um, which is which is something I think you missed, didn't you? Yeah, when you watched yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah, Mark I had to actually watched the bit. It's easy, it's easy to miss. It goes by very quickly. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, Jaws was obviously the biggest, the biggest inspiration for Sharknado. But I always say that Buckaroo Banzai was my spirit guide. <laughs> that, was, that was where the tone of the film, I, I think Buckaroo Banzai is the closest to the tone of Sharknado. And it, it really, uh, the experience I had in the theater watching Buckaroo Banzai was sort of what I had in mind when I was writing Sharknado. I wanted the people watching it on sci-fi to have that same kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that was going to be difficult because people watching Sharknado would be doing it at home alone. You know, I mean, maybe with your family or a few friends around you, but still not in a theater where laughter is contagious. And, and then Twitter came to our rescue and, and sort of recreated the movie theater experience at home hmm. um, because people were live tweeting Sharknado. But yeah, Buck, Buckaroo Banzai is this, is this off-the-wall action-adventure comedy, which again, almost never winks at the, at the camera. Uh, they play it straight. The, only, the, the actors play it straight. The only people who know it's a comedy are the people watching it and the people making it. But the, the characters never realize they're in a comedy. And so that moment with the watermelon where they're in the midst of this very tense action scene and they're running through this, uh, this sort of um, factory production line and right in the middle of it, there's a watermelon for no reason at all. It's the, it's the greatest non sequitur in the history of film. And Jeff Goldblum stops and asks his compatriot, why is that watermelon there? And, and the other guy says, I'll tell you later. And then they run off and it's never brought up again. <laughs> and just the, the absurdity of that moment is, is sort of kind of <laughs> what I kept thinking of when we were, uh, when we were doing Sharknado. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing scene. I mean, obviously it, a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned tonight about people interfering, you could, um, you can sort of imagine why they did it. I mean, probably from your point of view as well, you can you can see why they actually did it. Right. Well, you you actually turned me on to the um, to the behind the scenes interview where they revealed that at, at first they were getting a lot of notes from the uh, from the executives as they were shooting that film, and they didn't. The executives clearly didn't understand what they were doing, mm. and they kept complaining. And um, the filmmakers, you know, were, were trying to ignore them and make the movie they knew they were, were making. And, uh, and then after a while, the notes stopped coming. And they didn't know whether it was because the executives had finally clued into the kind of movie they were making or if they just stopped paying attention. They just sort of written off the movie. And, uh, and so that's sort of what my writing experience on the first Sharknado was like. And so to see if anybody at, at, the, uh, at the studio was paying attention to the, uh, to the dailies that were coming in, they put this watermelon scene in there for no reason at all. And when there was no comment about the watermelon scene, they knew nobody was paying attention and they could just do whatever they wanted. And, th- and that's kind of how the writing process for Sharknado went, is it really... Nobody was paying attention. It looked like the original movie's division of sci-fi was going to be shut down. And this was going to be one of their last things. And, and there weren't a lot of eyes on it. Nobody was really concerned about what I was doing. And, uh, and then when it blew up, suddenly they were reinvigorated and they, uh, 
they gradually started paying more and more attention. <laughs> but no watermelon and, seen in shot. But no that. watermelon. I never, I never got a watermelon into it. <laughs> damn it! Damn it! Yeah. But you know, I, I did have sharks in space. You did. And and, <laughs> yes. and and the thing about that is that by the time we got to that point at the end of the third movie, nobody even questioned it. <laughs> nobody even said, "How can the sharks still be alive in outer space?" And so I just felt like I had to bring that up because nobody else had. And so my my answer to the watermelon scene is Tara Reid yells to, uh, to Ian Ziering, how can they survive in space? And instead of saying, I'll tell you later, he says, how do they survive in a tornado? And then we just go on right past it. <laughs> and and to me, that was sort of the that was my watermelon moment. <laughs> That's great. Conscious we're keeping you, so we'll start trying to wrap up. But we just wonder, can you give us any little secrets about what you're working on at the moment? Any new projects? I don't have anything in production at the moment. I've yep. been working on, on two feature film projects mm -hmm. um, that I was working on uh, writing and then putting the pieces together to get them made for about a year leading up to the beginning of the pandemic. Yep. And, and actually back in March... They were both about to uh, to move forward. One was about to be optioned by a production company, and the other was uh, was something I was putting financing together independently. Mm -hmm. And an investment group had been put together, and were about to uh, to commit their funds. And that was in March. And just before the big meetings on both films was supposed to happen to uh, to finalize things and set things in motion, yep. uh, the end of the world happened. And um, and now both those projects are on hold. And so I'm just now sort of starting to circle the wagons yep. and, and figure out how to get these things. I, I guess I for months I was just waiting for the pandemic to be over, to be honest. Yep. Um, and I miscalculated how long this was all going to take. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess because I miscalculated how many Americans were so stupid that they refused to wear masks. <laughs> um, and uh, And so now clearly we're going to have to exist uh, and function rather than just wait. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm just now sort of trying to get back into it and, and make these projects happen. But one of them is a serious science fiction film as different from Sharknado as can be. Uh, it's called Star Child, and it is about a mother protecting her genetically engineered daughter from people who are trying to capture her mm -hmm. for nefarious purposes and it all takes place on one sp giant spaceship and it's um it's it's a an action thriller but it's 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 also sort of uh it's in it's an elevated uh thing that deals with themes of free will and the meaning of love and what does it mean to love somebody and how does that affect your free will because if you're willing to do anything for the person you love, then do you really have free will? And it's, uh, it's, it's action-packed and it's, it's, it's uh, suspenseful from beginning to end, but at the same time, it's a lot more thoughtful than um, people might expect from the writer of Sharknado. I mean, if you need two idiot Englishmen, uh, if, there's, if there's a part for two idiot Englishmen that you can write in there, then we're free. I mean, we're not doing a lot at the moment, like just work and that, so just give okay. us a call when we're in. Well, in. There, there, there are no idiots in that film, <laughs> right, okay. uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say. However, the other film that I'm developing may have room for two English idiots. Um, the, uh, the other film 
is uh, is much more of a follow up to Sharknado. It's called Dead Beard, the Zombie Pirate Rock Musical. <laughs> We're in. Yeah, you sold are. it. Yeah, you sold it. <laughs> and um, and that's something that I'm trying to raise uh, independent financing for. And it's exactly what it sounds like. And it's uh, it's zombie pirates who sing and dance. And that should be it. Should be great, ridiculous fun. Yeah. And um, you know, basically, I took every zombie movie trope, and every pirate movie trope, and every swashbuckling movie trope, and every movie musical trope, and I smashed them all together until it erupted in this in this ridiculous fun zombie pirate musical. And um, and so those are the two those are the two opposite sides of my personality. Uh, being expressed uh, in film. We look forward to oh. having the premiere party for that one. So there you go. Yeah, mm. hopefully uh, one or both of them will uh, will happen sometime soon. Um, I, I would like to get uh, Deadbeard into production shortly after the new year to have it ready for the Sundance Film Festival in 2022. Because uh, cool. obviously the 2021 festival will be uh, will be virtual. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the kind of movie that needs to be seen with an audience. Um, and so I'm, my feeling is we, we, make, we raise the money, we make this film, and then we show it to distributors with an audience, and uh, then they'll, they'll just give us lots of money. <laughs> awesome. Watch your space then. Yeah. We're cheap anyway, so we'll do it for free. But. <laughs> yeah, but if, if you want to play, uh, if you wanna play uh, Idiot Zombie Pirates, I'm sure we could find... We could find room for you. We're in. We're in. Certainly. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. You bet. I, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thank not you at all. It's been making, an honour, honestly. Yeah, yeah, thanks for making Shot Thank you man. for making such a great movie. I mean, a series of movies. Yeah, we've had great fun at our premiere parties as well as watching the films as well. So it's been good. I don't remember a lot about the the parties. Um, <laughs> the, the, films, the films we can relive, but we yeah. can't relive the parties. But no, it's been well, great. I'll tell you, it's been it, it's really been a great experience. The way it's it's touched so many so many people all around the world. I mean, we you know, it never really occurred to me that it would become a global phenomenon. Well, we don't um, have sharks you know, nor tornadoes, so that's it's right. totally new that's for right. us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I I get I get people reaching out to me on Twitter from all over the world and of all ages and of all walks of life. I mean. You know, it seems like a dumb movie, but I get scientists reaching out to me saying how much they loved it. Shark scientists, in fact. I actually, uh, I actually went to a Sharknado screening at the uh, Field Museum in Chicago, and I did a whole stage presentation with their shark expert talking about <laughs> how Sharknado could actually happen. You know, and, and little kids who were like five years old and just take the movie at face value, and, and older people who... Uh, who take it, you know, uh, with a wink and a nod. And uh, senior citizens, um, my, my mother-in-law, who actually is not my biggest fan, is a Sharknado <laughs> fan. Um, so it, it's really been a great experience. And just, and just uh, seeing, I mean, there, there was one lady who um, I believe her, uh, her child had passed away of cancer or something uh, in, in uh, 2013. And she said that Sharknado was the first thing that made her laugh after her daughter died. Oh, wow. and, and, and so just, just hearing the way it's this, this crazy, silly little movie has, uh, has affected people and, and 
you know, made people happy. It's, it's, it's really a, a wonderful, a wonderful, incredible sensation beyond just the yay. It's really been a wonderful ride. The fact that people still want to talk to me about it, you know, um, two years after the last movie came out and four years after the last one I was involved in came out is, uh, is just a, a wonderful feeling. So I thank you. And I thank all the Sharknado fans just for, uh, for caring and for for their uh, for their support. Yeah, I mean we're gonna we haven't told anyone what we're up to yet. We've kept no. all this secret. We got a lot of close friends who we've been to the parties with who are going to be so jealous that we've done this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we ha- we haven't told anyone anything. So yeah. when we drop the bombshell and drop the episode, yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of excited tweets. I'd imagine. All right. Well, let me know when it's going to be on. We absolutely will. Thank you so much for your time yeah. again. Thank you very much, Mister Levin. We'll speak Thank to you. you soon. Cheers. Thank you. Bye bye. Good night. So there we go. Great, that wasn't it? Oh, happy days. Yeah, I really yeah, enjoyed it was that. Great, a little bit starstruck. Yeah. Um, I sort of was like, ah, he's really here. Um, but he really put us at ease. Really nice guy. Yeah, and amazing interviewing technique. Yes, I've forgotten. Now, now I've listened to it again. Fucking yeah. brilliant. Just it? hear us occasionally again. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he, he was one of them. It was what his answers were actually interesting, and I just sat there and I was just in awe listening. Yeah. So uh, yeah, hopefully you really enjoyed that. And uh, thank you very much, Mr. Yes. Levin. Yeah. Hopefully we we'll speak soon. Yeah. Um, okay then, mate. Right. Just to reiterate. Yeah. Uh, homeworks yes. for next week. We're not doing them this week. No. Uh, you've given me... The Lincoln Lawyer. You have. Uh-huh. And I've given you Brawling Cell Block 99. Yeah. So we're going to do them next week. What are we doing for next week's main mate? We put out a tweet and we asked some people to give us ideas and we are going to go with Jamie Russell's Seven. Oh, yeah. Next week. Interesting one. Normally, we would love to have people on. Well, obviously, we'd have people on in the past. At the moment, with our setup, we're going in between sort of recording desks and bits. It's difficult to get bits on. So we'd love to have Jamie on for it, but we just can't get it all sorted with the technology. But it's going to be lovely to discuss it. And I'm sure he'll send us some thoughts through that we can share with you. Yeah. No, I look forward to that. Yeah. Excellent. Right, okay. Well, there we go. It's out. It's out. At last. So, so yeah. Big thanks to everybody. All the Brazilian people, lovely people, Thunder, and everyone else who listens. Yeah, thank you all. And anyone else who sent films in, we are getting round to them. We, we're just sort of ticking them off, ticking them off, ticking them off. We, we are. Forgot you. I mean, there's some weird ones in there. There is. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Yes. Finish then, mate? Yes, mate. Okay, then. Thank you very much, everybody, for all. listening. Do you want to say goodbye, Mark? Goodbye, Mark. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. No joke this week, mate. I'm just after some info. I know it's a long shot, but do you know anything about sniper rifles? Uh, I mean, not overly. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, God. <laughs> How am I? That was shite. Oh, I know it's a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I know it's a long shot. I mean, right, so the thing is, right. I mean, it's, it, I'll tell you what is a long shot yeah. is that Thunder Levin will actually listen to this episode, right? But then he is that at the end. I oh, know. You just let yourself down. I should have done the um, one last week, shouldn't I? Mm. <sighs> or something good. I've let you down, I've let me down, I've let the whole movie drive family down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, mate. You're not angry, you're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'll see you later. Bye, mate. Bye, mate.